everyone, and welcome to the Blaze Your Wellness Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Coach Tamika, and I have with me Sex Coach Mary. Hi, Mary. Mary, you stuck there? You frozen? What the hell, Mary? We got a guest on, and your computer just ain't acting right. I can yell and yell and yell because she's not even paying attention, but we'll just move on from her. It's called real time. It's called real time. (laughs) And see, now she done bounced out. But it's okay. Life. She just, oh, now we will admit it back in. See, we record everything. Y'all, I think this is just, you know, oh, yeah, no. We just, exactly. I'll come back on because she coming and y'all see what we have to go through, what I have to go through. Me, me. On a day when I got a special guest. Now she don't want to act right. You Batman? <laughs> Look at her face. Kick me out. Like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> I just I I, I can't even I can't even your computer, tell your computer stop acting up okay I've been trying to get you video all of this time I finally get it on and then your computer want to act up tell it just stop it so it's real time I love it that's how it works it's the real world here God, Doug, well, can I have some of that sprinkle of sunshine? I mean, I don't want this type of real world. Get your computer together, Mary. Anyway, guys, we also have with us, since Mary, just computer wants to be disrespectful, it's okay. We also have with us a very special guest, someone that I love dearly. One of my favorite authors, I will say, Miss Yesenia Montague. Oh my God, you know, I'm so excited. So excited to have you. And let me tell you a little bit about Yesenia. Okay. Yesenia is a native New Yorker who embodies and encourages empowerment, freedom, and joy, despite a plaguing childhood. Breaking away from a life bound to restrict her from any potential, Yesenia pursued a college education and graduated with an accounting degree. Yeah, she's beautiful and smart. But yet a lingering void created by a history of abuse inspired her to live a life dedicated to helping others by serving as an example of courage and possibility. She is a fierce yet peaceful protector of life. She is a champion of those who share her story as well as those who feel they have been dealt a bad hand in life. Her desire is to inspire people to be empowered rather than victimized, I love that, by their circumstances and to live fulfilled lives without surrendering to the shackles of their histories. She has two beautiful kids that are yes caring accepting empathetic authentic and open-minded and they will just say what they want to say how they want to say but they do it respectfully i love her kids she is also a business owner and a personal life coach throughout her career she has helped individuals and organizations develop and define strategies to reach their goals she is also the author of the book jesse Jessie is a heartbreaking and compelling true story of a young girl growing up in a time of shifting generational roles and in a self-absorbed and overly indulgent America. I love that. Jessie is fostered and neglected, forced to negotiate her safety and well-being with abusive and malign adults. More than anything, once you meet her, that beautiful face, that beautiful smile, 
the personality, you will agree that she is a creator and a bridge builder with boundless enthusiasm. She is able to open up unseen pathways that create wider perspectives and offer thoughtful and impactful solutions. And she does it all in a no judgment zone. And there are very few people that I have met, that I have talked to that don't have any judgment. And you really authentically don't. And I admire that about you. And I've known you for a long time. And until I read your book, I had no idea of what you went through. And just thinking about it is just making me wanna cry. So for you to go through that and still be like this amazing person when another person who, who grew up in your situation could have turned out totally different. I mean, people who don't go th through what you do is not as nice and sweet and non-judgmental as you. So, you know, it's like, so when I read just, when I, I read your book in one night, it was the same night I went to your book site and I, I couldn't put it down. And I was like, who the hell is this? What is she talking about? Not my sweet. Oh, <sighs> I, I, I just like, I couldn't, I'm not gonna say the things that are in the book because you all need to get the book and we're gonna have the link on how you can purchase the book. I will say you were abused in just such ways that like I said, even I think about it and I get choked up because it just brings me back to my abuse. And I wanted to have you on here because there are so many women, I don't care what race you are, what ethnicity you are, that have been abused in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I just had to have you come on here and talk about it a little bit because, you know, I read a stat that said every nine minutes a kid is being abused. Every nine minutes. Yeah, the stats are, are are overwhelming, and especially nowadays, you see, I, I, I find that as much as it's out there, it's not. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the, I, I, I <laughs> took me a long time to put out the book because I'm like, this is a topic that has been spoken of so much, um, but it's out there, and I think my main goal in putting it out there or, or one of my thoughts when I started writing is I wanted to write it very real, right? I just wanted to write it as it happened. I wanted to take the reader through the experience to kind of make it more familiar, more real, more connected so that people can understand more, not just a story. You know, there's some amazing stories out there but there's stories that people get to disconnect from, mm -hmm. right? People get to say, oh, it happened, right? That happened. But for me, it was, let's write this in a way that people are taken through some of the moments. I wanted people to live some of the moments and not from a morbid, but I, I want you to understand what kids go through. Like, there are children oh. out there going through these experiences one way or another, some worse, you know, even, I mean, 
there's I've, I've heard some stories and I'm like, oh my goodness. And again, I've read some of the stories, but they become almost like movies, right? So people can disconnect from what's actually happening. And th that then with that, one of the things I wanted to highlight in the, in the book was that this happens right in front of adults. Like it happens. I put scenes in there so that people can understand. You could be, <laughs> let me, uh, 30 feet away, 30 feet away. And a child can be full on being molested, full on. And it, it, you'll hear some of the stories in my in my book and that's why I put it there because it's like I, I actually gave you a spatial reference you know mm. of an adult do you know being busy adults doing what we do while the kid is with someone that loves her right and that's the other point mm -hmm. they show so much love and you know I've heard so much I've watched and heard different people talking about grooming and there's different ways that we're groomed as kids um, some with that not always are you threatened you're not always threatened as a child that's the thing people think oh they threatened to kill you no not always mm -hmm. not always sometimes they show their love for you and they buy you things I mean imagine a five-year-old a seven-year-old a brand new bike money cash cash where you can go to the bodega and buy some candy like, you know, one of the things we know about kids is that we're very much in the moment, right? When we're kids, we're in the moment. We fall, we cry, we scream, we get up. Somebody's like, let's go get ice cream. That experience is poof, right? And so it's yeah. there's similarities to that, right? Mm -hmm. You're given the money and it's on to the next. And those moments are on to the next. And also, it depends on um, whether someone is actually, you know, if you tell and someone listens to you versus if you tell and you're not listened to. And that's a, you know, I think one of the things I've come to realize is that once that door is shut, where you go and you tell an adult and they don't believe you or you get scolded because of it, mm -hmm. um, then what do you do? That's it. You're shut. That's it. Because I'm the one that's wrong. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and that happens so often. Uh, one of the reasons is shame. It brings shame to the family, to the family, not what's going on with the child, but it brings yeah. shame oh, to the family. God. So, I think I would kill somebody. I swear to God. Oh my God. I'm getting like goosebumps just hearing so you. Your... Have, you have those parents, you right? You have those parents that say, I would kill someone. The, 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 so there's, there's two things that come to mind is one, likely a parent like you, a perpetrator will never get close to because it's almost like they can tell. They can tell who's being watched and who's not. And I don't mean watch like the parents aren't there per se, but they know who's, who's disconnected and who's not. They just can, it's almost like they can smell it. Yeah. Um, 
That's one. Two, sometimes we think we talk to our children, but it's what we say to them and how we say it to them, which is also so important because we think we tell them, oh, if somebody ever does anything to you, you come and tell me. That's not enough. So I was just listening to someone recently talking about um, back to the whole shame thing and how, for example, we don't call our private parts by their names to their ch- to children. We don't teach them. This is your vagina. This is your penis. Mm-hmm. No, we name them all kinds of different things because little children shouldn't say those words. Why? It's their body parts. It's in the medical books. They're not being vulgar. I mean, I have my own, my own children. I mean, I did raise them to I called them by their name. I did not give them any different name or anything. And I mean, my daughter will kill me, but you know, she was in school one day and she was very, you know, she was, they asked her, what does she do in the morning? And she was very clear about, you know, going to shower and washing properly. And the teacher was mortified. (laughs) (laughs) You know why? Because the other children, Heard it, heard the word vagina. Vagina. Yeah, I would have died. And the parents were gonna have a, you know, get mad at them because they heard the word vagina in class. That's the word. That's what it is. I love it. It's not like this thing. Something. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh. these These are ways that we start blocking creating mm. barriers and then creating opportunity for mm. the perpetrators mm-hmm. because it's all all taboo you know it's all this taboo that we encourage mm-hmm. therefore when it happens it's shameful so it's shameful for the child who thinks what did i do it's it's an immediate what did i do it's an immediate what did i do um and you carry that you carry that with you and that's why even as adults we don't talk about it which is a shame because a lot of us have been through it and i agree about what you said about we're not talking to our kids we think we are but we're not because you're right it's not enough to say okay if you know something happens to you tell you know mom i mean my daughter had cold words because you never know who is saying what you know and i i i guess i was more fearful of people i knew than like a stranger ever molesting my daughter because it wasn't a stranger that molested me it was somebody right there and so it's like okay well if this happens if this happens you know touch you where touch you here touch you anywhere and you can't say touch you in a place that makes you feel uncomfortable because if you're starting young enough they don't know that that's uncomfortable they don't know that that's wrong so, you know, it's, you know, people thought I was crazy. They were like, what are you doing? I'm like, my Angus, let me tell you something. If something ever happened to my daughter, I'm going to be the first to know. And when she was in school, we, li- we still lived in Jersey City then. She was going to a private school. 
And it was a boy that was her age. She was, you know, kindergarten that, you know, touched her on her butt, but he, he didn't mean it. He was going after something, but he went for a butt. As soon as I came in, she was like, Ma, come here. She goes, he touched my butt. I said, what do you mean he touched your butt? You know, I'm like, what you mean he touched us? You know, I fight kids. What you mean he touched my your butt? And she goes, he he touched my butt. And I said, how did he touch your butt? She was like, he was going for this, but his pen rushed against. And so, you know, you have to explain. Well, you know, it was a mistake. He was going after the ball. But the point was, she told me. Yes. She didn't brush it off like, oh, it was nothing. She's like, nah, my mother said this, and, I, and this is what I'm going to do. So it is, it, it's so important for us to talk to our children and start them at a young age, because if a predator get them at a young age. I was five, like I was five. <laughs> I was five years old the first time. So absolutely, we think, you know, and, and, and unfortunately, that's not even the youngest. That's right. They do it to babies. Not I know. Two, oh three, four. I mean. Oh, God. Babies, I, I don't know the statistics on that, but I definitely know between two, from two up. Um, That's so disgusting, I swear to God. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can't. Wow. And that happened to you. For I, I can't. It just wasn't like a one and done. How many years? No, it was, so it was from the age of five to the age of 12, 13. When I, that was, that was the point. And it wasn't just one person. Mm -hmm. It was one person? Oh, no, no. It was not just one person. It was several, you know, and then you start, and then you really, oh, and you really are like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Because wherever I go, there it is. Yeah. I mean, I traveled to Puerto Rico and it happened in Puerto Rico. So it's like, must be me. Of course, of course, of course. And so, I mean, even as an adult, I battled with my weight. I battled with my weight because the moment I start getting a lot of attention, I, I, I noticed it. It was just not what, like uh, five years ago. No, 10 years ago. I noticed it. I noticed the moment I had, I was at a point where I was at pretty much my ideal weight. I went out New York city, went out with some friends and I felt like all the attention. And, and at that moment, I literally was talking myself through, don't shut down, don't shut down, don't shut down because shutting down meant start eating again, mm. morph your body again so that you're not getting all that attention. Mm -hmm. And oh so, goodness. yeah because it's 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 got to be me it's all the attention i'm getting you know all eyes are on me i must be doing something i'm pulling it in i'm attracting it mm -hmm. so yeah mm -hmm. because i mean from 5 to 13 and several different and in different places that's what you and that's normal for you to 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 think like that when that's happening to you like that and you're right. You don't you don't want to be noticed because you think maybe I'm I'm doing something. I know for me it was oh you know like is this Catholic school thing too short? I mean like you know what's going on? And I thought like that until I was in my early twenties. I was twenty two, and I got raped in a park, and I was wearing a sweatsuit. 
that's when it clicked that. And I mean, a baggy sweatsuit. It's like one of them champions, you know, oversized sweats. And it was ripped off and everything. And that's like, after that, when I was going to the shrink and she goes, well, look what you were wearing. So how could it be you? You're wearing something that was two sizes too big for you. And I'm like, oh my God. And then that's when I realized it was about power and control. But for years, I, that's how I thought. I didn't want any of that attention. You don't. Yes, you don't. And I, and I still battle with some of it. Like there are times where I'm like, okay, pay attention, pay attention. Yeah. Um, the good thing is that there is the awareness of it. So I can do something about it. Yeah. Um, but, um, and I do, I do want to go back to something that you said to me because I think it's so important and it's the, and this is earlier and it's the, we think, I think a lot of people, not just parents, but I think a lot of people are under the assumption that the perpetrators are the creepy looking people. Mm -hmm. And we have to be so careful with that because usually it's someone we know, it's a family member, it's someone that's well-respected, mm -hmm. it's someone that is looked up to, right? It's, it's so it, the well-off person, person that has their life together, it, you just, there is, there is not, it is not most of the times the creepy looking person. Creepy looking person. It's not, it's not, it's not a stranger, you know, because most all of, of the times it is not a stranger. No, somebody they know. And that's with why rape, so I know this, it changes with rape. The statistics are different, mm -hmm. but molestation, it's somebody not. It's easy. You know, it's easy. It easy. And they, they know best the environment. Yeah. They know the kids that are looked after or not they know they know the environment they know who they're grooming that's right then they, they're so close to you that they know when your kid is at home you know or or if your kid is going to be at somebody else home because they they just know because they are that close to you and your family and you know i think sometimes people don't want to know that a person who is well respected or so nice, they don't, they don't even want to know. No, that, that that can't no, you must have misinterpreted that, you know, especially uh, when you're so young. Absolutely. And they're in it's the shame. Yeah. So it's the shame. It, it'll bring shame to the family. And yeah. that is that is the problem. It'll bring shame to the family. Like this person who is loved by so many, if it gets out, yeah. what will they say of the family? So yes. it, it's almost like they take it personal, like it's a family thing. Family thing. What are you going to do with the, the baby, the child? It's about the child. Screw them. Well, no, because it, 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 it's, it's almost like they disconnect and it becomes not real. Like mm. it, it's not happening. You're mm. making it up. You're misunderstanding. Understanding. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that was my favorite line with that one. You, you misunderstood. I misunderstood someone playing with my vagina. I didn't misunderstand that. That was pretty blunt. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Their hands were with context. context. You know, I'm laughing. It's not funny, but I'm laughing because it's like, you know, when I think back now at some of the the denial, the lies, the whatever it was. And their reasoning is, is really funny. 
you know, it is really funny. And it's very real to them. Yes. It is very real to them. They stand by it. Yes. They stand by it, part of it, because they're, they're, um, um, again, it's, it, it'll be, it's on them. It's on them. Right? It devalues them for some reason. Right? If it's, especially if it's a family member. Yeah. And there got to be some guilt in there to say, you know, I trusted this person and this person took advantage of my child. Why didn't I see that? You know, how could this person do this to me? You know, they make, you're right. They make it about them. How can they do this to me? How could I misjudge it? Instead of, you know, really dealing with, of course, that person, but more importantly, the child and how that has now affected the child. And boys and girls, you know, I was reading the number on boys because, you know, we, when we- Super see, important. Yes, the boys. I was just like, oh my God, you know. And for them, I would imagine it's even different issues, especially if it's a boy being molested by a man. And, you know, a friend of mine was telling me how he was, you know, molested by a family member of his from the time he was probably about nine. And he said, he goes, I, he thought he was like, he thought he was gay. Absolutely. Because I must be gay. Mm -hmm. He goes, and I couldn't understand why I didn't like guys. Like I, I would say that I was gay, but I'm not attracted to guys. I would see a pretty girl and I, I would want to be with a girl. I said, no, I must be gay. And I'm like, well, why do you think you're gay? Well, because that happened to me. Um, that doesn't mean that you're gay, but that's what he really thought. And I mean, we're having this conversation in our forties, Yesenia. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when I wrote the book, a lot of the, my closest people did not know what I went through. My closest people, my best friend that I used to walk to school since middle school and we're still friends had no idea. She had no idea. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, probably 95% of the people that knew me had no idea, like yourself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I have a very close friend who um, read the, the beginnings of the book. I had him come in to kind of take a look and so that we can start expanding the book. And when he read the summary of, you know, pretty much read it, but it wasn't in, it was in a very raw uh, format. Mm -hmm. the rage that took over um, mm -hmm. when he read mm -hmm. he, and, and he was almost in disbelief like how did I not know one mm -hmm. this actually happens plus he has he has a daughter he had he had just had a daughter at the time mm -hmm. and was just blown away in so many levels mm -hmm. um and part of it was having known me and been like you this kind of it couldn't register yeah and, and anger was one of the one of the responses and I so I've had friends and family who have not too much family who have read it and it just takes like the anger just kicks in like it's anger um mm. yeah because that's what I was it's their response mm-hmm it, it was anger. It was I mean, anger. just like Mary said, I'd kill someone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's that like, this cannot be real, yeah. which 
did cause me to kind of doubt myself at the very beginning of writing the book because I was like, what, a, you know, who's going to believe it kind of thing, right? Do, um, especially do you having I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Say, say I, I, I missed what you just said. Especially having the experience as a kid of not being believed as an adult, mm -hmm. that's something that you battle with. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I was going to ask you if uh, writing the book, was that like therapeutic for you? Like, did you find, not that you felt better per se, but. No, it was definitely cathartic. Mm -hmm. It was definitely cathartic. There were there were realizations also, and I have gone through a lot, a lot of processes. I've done trainings. I've read so many books, just cleaning it all out, which mm -hmm. is what has allowed me to just approach life in such a different way. And I think part of it, which is also why I wrote the book, is like, you already took so much from me. That's all the perpetrators. You're not going to take away. You're not going to stay with me. Right. right. That's yeah. one of the things I felt. If I become angry, if I become um, shut down and I went through my stages. So don't you know, it's not that I didn't, but I came to the realization. It's like, no, I get to love. I get to be sexy. I get to have fun. I get to enjoy myself. I get yeah, to you don't let them win. Yes. Yes. Because if I if I take any other direction, they win. Yeah. Oh, and so writing the book, there were moments that I was like, huh, the realizations of, you know, that a simple realization of how many of them never threatened me. As a matter of fact, there was one who threatened me. And that's what I remembered when I was writing the book. I was like, oh, wow. He threatened me with so, at so many different levels that it became ingrained. And that was already, I was um, between the age of 10 and 13. Mm. And that that one just, that one like sunk in. It was mm. interesting because, but because there was, there were so many manipulations. There were a lot of mental manipulations. Mm. And, um, but yeah, writing the book, it, it just brought up a lot. I, I, I absolutely grew. From when from when I wrote the book. Amazing. Oh my God. Oh. Now, what would you say to someone who is in your that situation? And let's say they're teenagers, early 20s. I don't know if there's different rules for different ages. Um, what would how would you guide them in order to be whole again? Like what kind of advice would you give to them? Uh, the biggest advice, which is probably um, partly a lifetime advice mm -hmm. is, I think the most important is that we get to learn to forgive ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, and something that I'm still working on is loving myself. I can love everybody else to no end, to no end. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And I enjoy it, right? I enjoy yes. giving that love. I really do. Um, but loving oneself, which comes with forgiveness. And it's, that, that sounds big, and it's, but it, it's small steps. Mm -hmm. it, it's a lot of small steps 
Um, and, and the reminder of living, winning, right? Winning, you get to win. Yes. It happened and it did happen. And that is real. It mm -hmm. happened. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to stay with you. Yes. It, yeah. it doesn't. It, it, you, it, it, it's part of you because it did happen. And it's not shut it down. No. Mm -hmm. Don't shut it down. Mm -hmm. But you get to love. You get to do what you came here to do. That was a moment, years, but it was a moment. Mm -hmm. um, now we get to decide moving forward. Yeah, that's very important because sometimes we just relive it. Like you said, it could happen 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but when we think about it, we're thinking about it and we're reacting to it internally and mentally and physically as if it's happening now. And so I definitely agree. It happened. It'll it'll be a part of you. You know, forgive yourself and know, God bless you, and know that Thank you. it wasn't your fault. <laughs> wasn't your fault. You did nothing wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wrong. People failed you. You did nothing wrong. And that is the most important thing. No matter who tells you what, you did nothing wrong. Your body is yours. That's right. You get to decide That's right. who you want to share it with. It's not up to anyone else to take it. Mm -hmm. That's it's just not. So if that's the case, then you did nothing wrong. Yeah, you did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. Mm -mm. Um mm. yeah. No, and 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 yes, it stays with you. And yes, you relive it. There were there were many years of reliving different moments and cleaning it out and cleaning it out. And there's help out there. There's all different types of help. Yeah. Therapy, there's books, there's trainings, there's counseling, there's all kinds of help. Talking, 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 talking it through is important. Yes, yes. And for parents that don't know what's going on with your kids, because sometimes, you know, I, I used to say, the parents, make sure you're watching your child. And so I realized a lot of parents are watching their child and it's happening anyway. You know, and then once you get a certain age, it actually happened to a, one of my friend's daughters, especially since it's a girl, she got to a certain age. So then they thought, oh, you know, she's getting her period. You know, it's that time, it's that tween time. That wasn't it. She started shutting down because she was getting molested. So for parents with kids, you know, notice those mood changes. You know, notice if somebody's acting funny around Uncle Charlie. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, really like get the, the, the cues is so important because we miss them. Don't force them to hug Uncle Charlie or Aunt Mary or don't. That's right. That's if they don't right. want I did, you know, I did read that. Hmm? I, I did read that. Never to force your child to show any affection. And I never did. Right. Um, the most I would say is, you know, say hi to grandma or say hi to grandpa. Absolutely. You know, or say goodbye. 
I would never say, go kiss them, go hug them or whatever. You know, I mean, I would say, oh, you, you know, go kiss them. You want to give them a hug. Yeah, you want to give them a hug. If they don't do it, yeah, they stop or whatever. And I'm like, all right, whatever, come on, let's go. Like, I would just keep them moving. And my parents would get mad. And I'm like, yeah, what do you want me to do? Exactly. Exactly. I'm not going to force them. Like, you know, I'm not a big touchy-feely person. So those are my kids. They're probably like me. Like, nah, we don't want to touch you. We're good. <laughs> so, all right. Yeah, I am a touchy-feely person. And my daughter, who's the older one, she's not, she was, no. she was not as a kid. She was like, nope. And would not force her. We would not force her. Yeah. Okay. Well, she wants a hug, and as long as you say hi, bye, you know, make eye contact. Like that was our big thing: make eye contact, mm-hmm. be respectful. But that's it. Yep. That was yeah. That was the whole thing. Yeah. My brother would force my niece go give Tita Mary a kiss, and I'm like, bro, if she don't want to kiss me, it's fine. I'd be like, what's up, hey Jana, you good? How are you? Good girl. I didn't care. I was just like, she don't want to kiss me. Whatever. I want to kiss her anyway. <laughs> so. She a little kid, she got germs. No, I'm <laughs> My brother's walking bitch. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that too. Don't force the kids because then they're going to think, well, damn, you know, if I don't do this, you know, my mom, I'll get in trouble. Right. You know, that's right. uh, my mom will get mad or my dad will get mad. Mm-hmm. That's maybe what they'll say. Oh, you don't come over here and give me that hug. I'm gonna tell your mother. And then the kid is like, okay, here it is. They getting each other. Yep. Yep. And they're so, getting more than a hug. They get more than a hug. Yeah. They, yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Kids will tell you. They may not tell you what words, but they definitely will will tell you. And I have a very well, when she was little, she's more like Mary now, but when she was little, <sighs> like us and touchy-feely. And, but when she didn't, then, you know, it was like, then I knew something was wrong with you. Didn't know quite what that was. Who's this? Alika. Alika? Alika was always happy-go-lucky. Oh, she's like me now? Now she's like you. She'd be like, oh, God, no. <laughs> um, so when oh. she she wouldn't go to you and i'll be like ah because i swear if she would have met you at five she would have went right up to you and gave you a hug and say hey you know she everybody family but when she didn't like you oh i think it's in it's frozen i think it's in messing around you know what i read zoom uh, you know, as we're chatting, because I, I, I keep freezing and I'm like, is it my computer? Or is it Zoom? Zoom, actually, it says the more people you have, the, the, the more Wi-Fi it pulls. And that's why it crashes or whatever. And if you're not like close to the router, it, it eats up a lot of Wi-Fi. Basically. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, it says that if you're not wired or you have like all this bandwidth or whatever the hell. Zoom will crash you down and just like freeze and like kick people off, <laughs> you know. Because I wanted to see like, is it my computer? Is it Zoom? It always happens when we're recording, but then when Tamika and I are chatting, we're fine. And I'm like, what the hell happened? Like, why? It's not, you know. It's when we bring on the third person, then yeah. it starts like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I'm still gonna get it. 
computer anyway. It's time. This thing's like 10 years old. It's time. <laughs> so, Yesenia, tell us how, well, I have my own, but how people can order your book. Where do they go? So right now, directly on my website, which is JeseniaMontague.com. Um, and my book, my book is there. They could just order and uh, we'll get it to you. You gotta order the book. I actually think every parent, especially with little children, should get the book. <laughs> that you really should, because it'll make you, it'll make you just think if anything else. You know, you will definitely watch your little kids closer and watch the people around you more closely. Um, because I did that after I read your book and my child at that time was already almost grown. <laughs> so it's so like, let me watch you. <laughs> like, mm -hmm, I'll be looking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why, why that cousin looking at my daughter, but they cousins. Like, you know what cousin I'm talking about? Miranda. Oh, oh, oh my God. I'm telling you, I, I'll text you, you're and tell her who it is. I ain't going to say it on here. Like, <laughs> Uh, we we just go. I'll be watching. I'll be like, it's the truth. Something not right. I'm I'm just gonna say something not right. So yes, go. And even if you've and if you've gone through it, please read it as well. Definitely. If you've gone through the experience or you know someone that has, read it. I I I hope to serve as it doesn't have to own you. Yes. It does not have to own you. Um, and it's just, I mean, this is such a, a huge topic. I, I was just doing a little bit of research and we have such an issue. I mean, there's immigrants, so we don't even know the real numbers because immigrants do not report for fear of deportation. Right. And now all the kids that are being held at the border. Mm -hmm. Without their parents, some of them. Without their parents. Mm -hmm. To Travis, so Travis, this is a much bigger issue. And with COVID, that was the other thing. It's been, I've been turning <laughs> inside out, thinking of, you know, school was an outlet for me. Mm -hmm. Going outside was an outlet for me. Mm. Being with other people was an outlet. These kids don't have an outlet. And so we have kids who cannot go to school so that outlet does not exist and now we have perpetrators who are indoors as well god only knows desperate for what mm -hmm. so what's gonna happen what what numbers we're gonna get in the next two years so i guess i would say more than ever now watch your children watch your children talk to them talk 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 it's not a one-time conversation that's the other thing right, it is right. not a one-time conversation it is not a, a one age conversation mm -hmm. it is continuous mm -hmm. and, anybody with my kids and you explore and you explore just like tamika like you did with your daughter she said oh, right and so you go you it doesn't mean everybody is you know <laughs> doing something right it doesn't but that's communication is key key and direct communication. Yes, yes, direct communication. 
Mary said, I don't trust nobody with my kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both, I mean, that's how Filipinos are anyway. We don't trust anybody with our kids. So I've always been like that. You know, people, when my two older ones were younger, they're like, oh, just hire a babysitter. No, man, I don't hire no babysitter. Shit. I don't care. No. It may come from the babysitter. It may come from somebody in your family. That's Well, that was the thing. I only allowed my mother. My mother was the only one. um, And I knew just because I grew up with her, she's not like that. I mean, she, she thinks sex and the, the body parts are like the most evilest things. So I already knew my mother wasn't going to be a molester. My dad, could, like, he wasn't even like hands on, but he wasn't like that either. So it was mainly like my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't trust like anybody. So, and I had boys. Imagine if I had girls, man, my, my daughter would be like never allowed away from me. Um, so and I was still a little overbearing with my voice. Tamika, everybody knows. They thought I was a friggin' weirdo. I still I still am and they're you know, my, my youngest is gonna be ten. Conversation. Because that's what scares what? me. <laughs> that's a different conversation. What? <laughs> oh yeah. So but you're right. Anyway. Yeah, this topic so. <laughs> can't stop here. Um but it's only but so much we can do in one sitting. We didn't even get into the trafficking and all that stuff that they're doing with it. It's just, it's so much. It is a lot. And I think I'm glad you actually brought it because it is a lot. It is a lot. And it is something that needs to be spoken of continuously. And like you said, there's there's just not enough time for all the facets and all the different areas that it's taking place and all of it it is it's a huge topic and as much as it's you know there's the me too movement and all that it's just our kids are being affected mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. that's where it starts and yeah. and the the repercussions yes that then we live with and face because of it mm-hmm. that's right because even when it stops for them it doesn't stop for us no and it does stay with us and it is probably the reason why you parent the way you parent and the way I parent the way I parent which people you know you know thought I was crazy but when you go through that you have to make in your mind or in my mind it was like I have to make sure you know I know I may can't save her from everything but I at least want to give her the tools and so she actually, my daughter actually has your book because I told oh. her I was going to, you were going to be on the podcast and I'm always talking about it. And she got halfway through. She says, Ma, she goes, I can't, I keep crying. She goes, I just, I, I just keep crying. I, I, I can't. I said, well, take your time. It's, it's okay. Just give me my book back. <laughs> what you've done. Aww. <laughs> Yeah, my, my daughter, who's an avid reader, she, when I, I did, I had to come to terms, I wanted them to read it before I put it out, mm-hmm. because I wanted them to know what was in there before mm-hmm. it went out to the public. And um, my daughter read it right away. My son still, to this day, has not been able to get through it. I don't, I, I don't and she read it. And it was like, Mom, it's the first book that has made me cry. Um, and she is an avid reader, and she's read some really harsh different levels of of books but um she yeah she read it she got through it 
and um, it, 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 oh, it helped. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so one thing that I did try to not do that my sister did a little bit more is be too protective of them, mm -hmm. right? I didn't want to guard them too much. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to leave some wiggle room for them to make mistakes and not be shamed. Like I didn't want them to, I didn't want the shame that I carried and I went through to be transferred to them. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. So th that's for me why the conversations were so important. Clear, direct, honest, open. And I did not want them to be shamed, ashamed of their body mm -hmm. right? because I, grew, I did grow up with that. So I did not want them, neither one boy or girl to go through being ashamed of their body. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was big for me because it, it, it's such a fine line. It <laughs> it's is. Such a fine line. Trust is a huge issue when your trust is taken from you mm -hmm. in so many ways. Mm. Oh my goodness. Well, Yesenia, you know, I can talk to you. I know. <laughs> Because we have done that in the past, you know, go out to lunch, it's like noon, I come back to the office, it's about three, four, you know, <laughs> but I want to thank you so much for being on here. And if any of you are out there and you need help and you don't know who to call, um, I'm going to give you this number to a sexual violence hotline. It's the National Sexual, sexual Assault Hotline. And that's at 800-656-HOPE. You can call them, it's free, it's confidential. Um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, if you really can't cope or if you feel suicidal or you just really need immediate help. For those of you who you know, are going through the process, and you wanna learn more about how you can live your best life and you want Yesenia to coach you, again, reach out to her uh -huh. website and she will, I'm telling you, it will change your life because knowing you, reading what you went through and knowing you, I don't see how anyone that's going through it wouldn't, like to me, you're the ideal coach for that. So your, your, your wisdom, you've been there, you know. So if you need that help, go to Yesenia's website. It will be in the notes section here. It will be in the notes section if you're listening and you don't get to see her beautiful face. It'll be on there as well, um, as well as her social media information, but get help. So thank you so much, Yesenia. It's been a joy. You know I love you. You know I love you too, Mary. <laughs> and guys, next time, please be safe out there and practice more love than hate. Yes. Bye. Amen.